Welcome to Second Cherry, almost a Eurovision podcast. This week, we travel to Sweden. Hello, and welcome to Second Cherry. I'm Matt. And I'm Monty. This is the podcast that revives the songs that didn't make it to the Eurovision Song Contest. Each week, we take you through a different country's national final and pick the song we think deserves a second chance, a second bite of the cherry. And at the end of the series, it's you, the listeners, who vote for your favourites. And at our live event, we crowned the winner of the Second Cherry Song Contest. Hello, Matt. Hello, Monty. How are you? I'm okay. How the devil are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yes. This is our last episode of the series. It's our last country episode, anyway. Who knows what we might be back with between now and then. Well, we'll get a results episode, obviously. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Very tired, hungover results episode. But... <laughs> <laughs> We hope, Bob, that you're not pining for us too much already. We know that you're you're not looking forward to the end of the series. But we've got the live final to come, and then we've got a whole new series to do again next year. So lots to look forward to. Yes, and also that little thing called Eurovision in between as well. So. Oh, yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> well, talking of uh, Bob, then, should we um, check our mailbag? Yes. Because, quite frankly, <laughs> this is bulging. This is the biggest ever bold you've ever had on Second Cherry. Wait, Speak for yourself. Yeah, I was going to say, no, that's that's actually not true. But uh, yeah, no, we, lots of people you've, you've written in. So let's start with you then, Bob. You tweeted us, you went whoop, and then hand emojis. For the joy of Second Cherry, thanks for opening my ears to more amazing Eurovision tunes. Thank you. We've got a tweet from Dale, who's one of the Aussie Vision boys. I loved hearing the passion coming from the Second Cherry Boys in their latest episode about Sam Remo. Easily my favourite national final this year. Now, your choices, though, they were more Bellissimo than Bellissimo. <laughs> Leaving my number one song out of your top five, unforgivable. Well, tough. Yeah. <laughs> we did say there were so many good songs in there. And actually, your favourite song looks to have been Boss there by... Madame, and we did give her a lot of re-mentions, so, but we can't please everybody all the time, Dale. I, I did think people would call in, call in, well, write in, um, about the Italy, Italy episode, because I thought <laughs> we're leaving so much goodness out, but there you go, that's, that's how good Italy was, guys. Sorry. We also had a tweet from Neil uh, at Monster Gigs, who said, Second Cherry doing what it does best and creating a moment for an overlooked song to shine brighter in a new spotlight for a little longer. Amare by La Representante is Ace. Oh, then lots of hashtags. Sam Remo Eurovision. Second Cherry, that's us. Thank you, Neil. Thank you. See, Dale, Neil likes it. (laughs) (laughs) What do you know, Dale? (laughs) For listeners, Dale is uh, part of the Aussie Vision podcast, which we've spoken about on this podcast many, many times. We love the guys. They're very, very good. And uh, we sort of hand over the baton because they're sort of on the on-season, we're the off-season, we sort of hand over the baton, I feel like. Don't so, yes. <laughs> We've had an email from David who says, thank you for the Italian episode. It was one of the national finals that I didn't happen to watch, so I should look forward to watching them now. And from what I can hear, an excellent cherry. 
Thank you for this season of the podcast. It's been fabulous. Have a great final episode and hope the whole team have a fantastic live event. Won't be able to attend this time, but I'm sure it'll be amazing. And I shall look forward to finding out who emerges victorious. From David. Thank you, David. That's oh. very, very lovely. Um, yeah, it's a shame you can't be with us, but we do understand that everybody can uh, travel the distance. We'll, we'll raise a glass in your name, David. We had another email from Evan, who has written to us before. The title of this email is The Taste, in capital letters. Matter Monty. The Taste jumped out in that San Remo episode of Second Cherry. I fell in love with at least a half dozen San Remo 2021 entries and enjoyed many, many more. But there was no song in this year's San Remo, or any other national final for that matter, that spoke to me as much as Amare. It is three minutes and 21 seconds of joyful catharsis, and boy did we need that back in March 2021. Amen. It finished so low on the San Remo scoreboard that I was worried whether I'd hear it discussed at all on my favourite almost a Eurovision podcast. I swear to God, Evan's real. <laughs> this isn't me, I'm on Thus, I was absolutely thrilled when not only was it discussed and not only was it praised, but it was also named the Italian Cherry. Bravissimo! Thank you to the Second Cherry team for championing quality work, no matter whether it was recognised in its own time or not. Keep up the great work, Evan from New York. Oh, thank you, Evan. That does mean a lot that people like the song, because it is a, a one I don't think really caught on so much during the national final season. So it's nice to hear people's reactions to it. And we've got an email from Doris, who is on Twitter as well as DJ Bus Replacement Service. I love that name. Fantastic. I love Absolutely it. brilliant. Doris says, hi, Second Cherry Chaps. Having just finished listening to your Italy episode, I wanted to give thanks to the research and prep your team puts into these podcasts while helping me revisiting the good and bad memories I had watching some of these national finals. While listening to your Lithuania episode, I was surprised there were quality songs in Pabandamish Naoya. Maybe it was when I was watching the semi-finals, but I was more engaged with separating a job lot of bubble wrap envelopes for recycling at the time. <laughs> well, we're glad that you've got green credentials there. Your Estonia episode reminded me of a bop that didn't make it out of SDLR semi-final two. Gram of funds lost in a dance. We quite like that for the name, actually. The name of the group is quite comedy. <laughs> While the Spain episode must have made you feel like you're in a special circle of hell. <laughs> it inspired me to look into the story behind Spain's 2008 national selection debacle. Thanks to your podcast, I'm now looking forward to playing El Gato's La Bicicletera at my radio show's long-suffering listeners. <laughs> Lucky them. Your recaps of France and Italy were a clear reminder why those two national finals were my standouts this year. Hardly a dud in the lineup of finalists. I may be saying this due to Stockholm syndrome from watching every minute of San Remo for the first time this year. Is San Remo this good every year? No. No, it's not. It's good. But this year was really good. Um, but a deep dive into Italian pop music involving Dada and Mahmoud is just what I really needed this year. Madame's Vosse was my fave, possibly because I have soft spots for near melodico melodies. 
The world will be a little less colourful when this season of Second Cherry comes to an end, and I hope to make it out of Worcestershire to see Second Cherry live next month. Thanks again for letting me feature you on my radio show, and be warned, I'll ask again when this year's winner is announced. Best, Doris. Oh, that's really sweet. Thank you. It'd be lovely if you can make it. It'd be great if you can make it to the show. We, well, you know us, we're media pause. We're happy to be on anything. Yeah, we'll, we'll go to the opening of a of an envelope. We will. Yeah. Oh, we have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's our mailbag. And actually, we're recording this quite soon after the last episode went out. So if you haven't emailed us quickly, that's why we've not read you out. Because it's only the day after. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. So we're not being rude, sorry. But, you know, we still like it that you've emailed us. Yeah. So that's that bit of the show over. And the next bit now, Monty, it's over to you because you're going to give us a history of Sweden at Eurovision. Sweden debuted in 1958 with Alice Babb singing the song Lilla Kröna, which came fourth with 10 points. They participated 60 times. They were absent in 1964. Can't find out why. Uh, in 1970, I think, was one of the countries that was protesting over the four-way tie in 69. And also in 1976, there was a bit of a, a movement going on in Sweden that um, the songs weren't representative enough of national flavour. <laughs> so, yeah, they had a bit of a hissy fit. They are one of the most successful nations. In fact, in terms of wins, they're the second most successful behind only Ireland. Six wins. 1974, ABBA with Waterloo. 1984, the Herod, Digilu Digilay. 1991, Carola, Fonga, Storm Vint. Should have been a meaner. 1999, Charlotte Nielsen, Take Me to Your Heaven. 2012, Lorraine with Euphoria. And 2015, Bonne with Heroes. Which means that they've hosted six times as well. Um, in five different decades, actually. Mm. Uh, Stockholm in 75, Gothenburg 85, Malmo 92, Stockholm again in 2000, Malmo again 2013, and Stockholm again most recently in 2016. I think they've always done a pretty good job hosting as well. Maybe not in 75. Karin Falk, the presenter, was a bit all over the place. <laughs> but they have... I think they've credited a little bit with kind of, you know, developing the modern Eurovision because in 2000 they were the first to take it into a big arena and make it quite accessible to fans. I think the songs from Melody Festival and the way that they produce their hosted Eurovision, for sure, for sure. 2016 in Stockholm, for me, was absolute perfection. Yes, it was expensive Eurovision, but my God, when you're crossing the street and you've got Euphoria playing out from the bloody crossing, zebra crossing, it's just that level of detail, that level of commitment to Eurovision. (laughs) Brilliant, yeah. They do love it. I mean, I think because, you know, we've spoken before about how Melody Festival is a TV institution, you know, it may not be reflective of everything in the charts, but it certainly gives local artists a chance to get a big platform locally and to get into the charts as well. I think with the, you know, the record companies behind it. And it's obviously the biggest TV show of the year. I mean, as we know, the Six Melody Festival and shows and Eurovision are consistently in the top 10 
uh, of Swedish TV by viewing figures every year. So they really do love it. And there's a cherishing of the history as well. People remember the Songs and Melody Festival because it's not just the show that selects the entrant for Eurovision. It is a show which is a national song festival. So it holds a very different place in the public of Sweden's heart, I think, mm. than other national finals tend to do. I do think that we're probably going to see Sweden equal and potentially overtake Ireland before too long. It feels like the momentum and the trajectory of where Sweden is in relation to Eurovision is much more attuned to what's going on in the contest at the moment to where the Irish are. I think the Irish need to do quite a bit of work, as do the Brits. Yeah. But Sweden feels as though, you know, it's not everybody's cup of tea no, by any stretch, but it does feel as though, you know, they know what they're doing with this thing. And I would quite like to do every now and again a Swedish Eurovision just to sort of like reset and just get a really good, solid, you know, well-run Eurovision. Yeah. You know you're not going to be in trouble with Sweden. Yeah. So that's a little bit of the history. What about this year? Well, this year, Melody Festivalen ran on Saturdays from the 6th of February to the 13th of March. It was in one location this year, the Stockholm Annex there, which is usually, as we know, like a six-city tour. It goes around the country. But this year, there was no audience, obviously because of COVID, so they did it in the studio environment. Melody Festivalen as a national final has been used to select a Swedish entry since 1959. As we say, it's, it's long, long standing. This year, there were six shows, four heats, from which two qualified, and then two went to the Andrew Shanson round, the second chance round. Um, in that show, the, the Andrew Shanson show, there were four qualifiers, and that made up a 12-song final. It was Krista Bjorkman's last year this year, so he hosted all shows with different guest hosts each week, which I think worked re- really well. The, the guests were, semi-final one was Lena Philipson. Then you had Oscar Zia and Aniston Deminga. Then the third semi-final was Jason Diakite, Per Anderson and Pernilla Valgren in semi-final four. Shirley Clamp, second chance round, the Andrew Shanson. And then Shima Nievarani and Mon Zimelo in for the final. It could only be Shirley Clamp hosting the Andrew Yeah. <laughs> really, really good decision making there, I think, with that. I think it really, each show was interesting, even though it was in the same arena, uh, same studio. Yeah, it really kind of sort of chucked things up a little bit. It gave each show a slightly different flavour because all of those guest presenters brought something very different from the bits they were doing on stage to the kind of little pre-records between the songs. Mm. Everybody approached it in a slightly different way. And it just, it that was the thing that made it feel different rather than being in a different city. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely worth thinking about that for the future. But talking of Oscar Zia there, he's actually been announced today, actually, as we record this, as the main host for Melody Festival in the next year in 2022. So, We're looking out for that, but more on that later. So this year, the final voting is a uh, 50-50 jury and televote. There are eight international juries which gave out points in Eurovision style, which amounted to a total of 464 points. The public, using the app or calling in, which is a simple vote, 
or the option of a more expensive vote with a donation to Radio Xiaoping. Then there was app voting, um, which was divided into seven age groups, and each one ranked the scores and converted to Eurovision points as well, with an eighth set of Eurovision-style points coming from the phone voters. These were combined behind the scenes and presented as an amalgamated public vote at the end, and also a total of 464 points to be given like the juries. In the final, a record-breaking 16.5 million votes were cast using over a million devices, which is a record for a final. It's massive, really. <laughs> that's that's, I mean, that's like one and a half votes for every single person living in Sweden. <laughs> and that's like, you know, that a, a mil- over a million devices is like 10 million in the country, something like that. Yeah. It's a lot of people voting for a TV show. Math. I think that's also because the app allows you to, you know, put multiple votes in. Um, I think it's really kind of brought the interest in. And of course, they get a bit of insight from who people are interacting with and what people are doing on the app as well. It's all very, it's great intelligence for the producers, but it's also, you know, a fun and more interactive experience for um, particularly the younger audience. Mm. And seeing that down in numbers and figures is actually quite Staggering, yeah. actually. But Tusa won with a clean sweep of 12s in the app and the televoting, getting a maximum of 96 points. Monty, you did a little dive into this. The, the, the results, when you look at them, are crazy. It's an absolute landslide for Tusa, actually. In the app votes, in the seven age categories and the phone, though, he got 12s maximum score in each of those groups. So he got 96 points. Uh, from the televoting. In the juries, he got four 12s, two 10s, a 7 and a 4. So 79 out of a maximum 96 points from the jury vote. When you combine that together, it means that he scored over 91% of the total possible points available to him. That is huge. That is, by any stretch, a massive, massive margin. And you could see that. He got, I think he finished with 175 for, uh, points, and the next closest was 118. So, you know, we don't normally see that. If you think back to last year, the mamas and daughter were separated by one point. <laughs> yes. And this year, there was that enormous gap. So people were 100% well, they were ninety-one percent behind Tusa, but you know, it was it was you you know it was fairly unanimous from the public. It was absolutely unanimous for a show like Mendy Festival, and as well as you say, for that to be so so much is is incredible. So obviously, the question is, did the right song win? Well, from the perspective of this is what the Swedish public wanted, absolutely. I think when it got to Eurovision, it, I mean, it qualified, um, but only in seventh place from its final, 142 points. And in the final, it notched up 109 points and 14th place. So I think that actually, that's probably seen as a bit of a disappointment by the Swedes. I think they could have sent a better song. And I think that when we go through tonight, we will see which songs may have done better. But let's have a little blast of Tusa before we do. you hear them? Let's go! Can you hear a million voices calling out in the rain? You know we die, a million 
Do you think the right song won? Uh, I do, but with a caveat. No, I don't know. This is a hard one. Um, I'm glad, actually. I'm, I'm really glad that Tusa got his moment on the Eurovision stage. Um, I can see why, because he had ready-made voters. He had some singles that had been out. Not that they charted necessarily very well, but he had ready-made voters, so it's not surprising. When we come on to the songs, there's one which I have a question mark over, where if they staged it differently and they had a bit more ambition, more money, I know these things come into play, maybe that could have been a better entry. But um, no, this is, uh, you know, it represented exactly what Sweden wanted to send, and that's quite important. And I think Tusa has a story. Obviously, he's arrived in Sweden as a refugee. Um, he's become known to the public from being on The Voice. So I think there's an affinity with the audience. And I think this is an example of where an artist wins because of the connection an audience has with them for another reason, not necessarily the song. Um, I think the song is good, but I think Tusa is more interesting than the song was. For sure. At, you know, at age 17, he won Swedish Idol. That is incredible. So even when he was doing his Eurovision run, he was 19. You know, that's still very young. To have that connection on the ca- camera, that you can't teach that. But let's have a look at what could have been. Song number one, then, is Little Tot by Dotter. Monty, thoughts on Little Top? Well, we mentioned earlier that she finished a point behind the Mamas last year, and the Mamas obviously won, so she came really close with Bulletproof, and I think that was a really well-received song, Germany, by the fans. So she went in as one of the faves. People were really keen to hear this. I think it's a great pop song. It's about, it's kind of a plea to a child or to the next generation in general to do better than we've done, to, you know, to, to make things work a little bit better. And there's lots of interpretations of that. It could be environment, it could be the way we interact, it could be war, it could be lots and lots of things that are, you know, fabled behind that. She's a bit mumbly in her diction. I think that detracts a little bit from the performance because it actually is a cracking pop song. But the thing that detracts most for me is the use of the words tot in the title and in the lyrics. Because it's a perfectly valid British English word for a small child. Yeah. But we just don't use it like that. <laughs> it's really jarring because to a native speaker, it just feels wrong. And I think this is an example where, you know, somebody who's not a native speaker gets a word and, you know, wants to use that word but actually it doesn't scan properly to a native speaker. And it just, it just jars really for that. But I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to let that overshadow my enjoyment of the song because I really do like the pop song. I think I had it down as maybe it could be short for daughter, like it's her younger self was called Top. I know that, you know, they're not necessarily what her parents would be calling them, but I don't know, I had it down as that maybe, but yeah, weird sort of use of the, of that language. Um, 
as you say, it's a slightly nondescript, I think, sort of advice song to the younger generation. It's a bit of a stretch for her. I think the, the mumbling, yes. I think that's a very Dotter trait, though, but also just quite breathy, uh, even at the start of the song. And I think that had to do with it being a studio and a studio condenser mic. There's something in that that she just couldn't quite get it right there. Um, not that it was bad, it was just not exceptional, and that's what we expect from Sweden mm-hmm. now. Very simple staging. She's wearing like a mix of sort of feminine and masculine sort of black leather slash lace strapped leotard bodysuit thing with sort of slicked slicked down hair. And I, I, I think she looked brilliant. I think that's the really interesting part of it. Matt Baker, our fashion correspondent. Yeah. <laughs> leotard bodysuit thingy. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it is a good song, but I do prefer last year's entry, Bulletproof. I've got to say, um, and I think, yeah, the vocal hurt her a little bit this year. Yeah, I prefer Bulletproof as well. Do you know where she finished? One point behind the Mamas again. <laughs> but the Mamas in third and Dotter in fourth this time. They weren't tilting for the win. But yeah, how bizarre to come one point behind them uh, once again in the voting. The next song we're going to listen to is called Still Young. And it's by Charlotte Perelli. The Diva Returns. (laughs) Matt, what do you think of this? Well, legends generally return to Melfest, and generally speaking, they always get it right, um, in terms of giving the fans what they want. This is exactly what she should be doing if she's going to return to Melfest. It's classy. She looks fantastic. She's not trying too hard or trying too hard to be something that she's not. This is, as I say, it's exactly in her wheelhouse. It is a slightly dated song, I have to say, but there are modern elements thrown in. So there's enough here, I think, to delight a younger audience. The tone of the song as well sort of suits her own narrative. And obviously she can deliver the performance flawlessly. Just, I think it's a perfect example of if you're going to return to a competition this is how you do it this is how the legend rocks up again and shows off it was excellent there's a thing where she's almost synonymous with Melody Festival now um, either as a guest or as a participant and when she did the the cover of uh, Helena Fischer's Atem Lost with the new lyrics to be the the last remaining Schlager queen hairstyle yacht I mean that is just perfection this is exactly what you want from this kind of song she starts with a, a schlager Evans pause in silhouette <laughs> with the microphone hoisted high the dancers around her are in poses um it's a little bit it's kind of almost like a tableau on stage where the the dancers behind her are posing and moving kind of slowly from one shape to another if you've seen the madonna girly show Justify My Love at the very end of it is presented a little bit like this. It reminded me of that. But also there's a, there's a big element of kind of vogue in this as well because there's lots of shapes of the hands. They parade, they catwalk, 
There's strutting, there's crowd movements. I mean, it's just over the top and nonsense, but it is exactly what you want from this kind of performance. Thematically, I think it does tap into, you know, a bit of her story. It's about kind of looking back at what you have in life or what you have in love and realising that, you know, it gives you the same energy and appetite for it all. Um, and you're kept feeling young by it. And I mean, how can you not love that sentiment? I, and again, I have to say, not to judge people by the way they look, but my God, she looked stunning. She looked beautiful. Song number three, then, is Every Minute by Eric Sade. I love it every weekend. I want it all. Every minute. I love it in the Monty, thoughts on Eric? Oh, I think this is probably the most contemporary song in the lineup that we had in Melfest. I mean, I think Eric's literally grown from a man boy um, before <laughs> our very eyes. Yeah. Um, and um, I actually, when he was the presenter a couple of years ago, I was really impressed with him as a presenter. And I hadn't really sort of loved him or loved his songs. And I'd certainly not. Um, uh, appreciated him in the ways that some of the members of the second cherry team have over the years. But there's something he's matured and he's grown into a quite an engaging artist. And, you know, there's no doubt about his ability to sell a song. I really like the way this was presented. It's very close in. There's like a black and white feel to it. He's dancing on a square of white and it's very close in, very, very black. Um, backdrop you can't see anything he's got very highly choreographed movements he's almost kind of pulling and shoving his body around at times and it's very very enclosed it's only later in the song right towards the very end that the cloths that are forming this black backdrop drop to the floor and you can see it is set up in the middle of the studio you don't necessarily see that before that and a dancer comes on at the end and sort of mirrors some of his movement it's very reminiscent of Lorraine and Euphoria yes because the way it's kind of close focused and very narrow shots and the way the dancer comes in as well, it just had echoes of that for me and there's a really nice move in the middle where he's sort of dragged backwards by along the floor you can't see the person who's clearly must be there dragging him uh, from one side of the stage to the other wasn't it tilted i thought the floor tilted oh i thought he I don't slid think so. i didn't think he was dragged oh i thought it was somebody in the shadow dragging him. oh no maybe i've got that wrong then i thought the floor tilted that's why it was kind of like a square oh have i got that wrong i don't think the floor's moving oh okay well, I had that... Okay, I, I saw that slightly differently because you're right, I had the same note actually as you that it was very Loreen. What I thought, because it tilted, it reminded me of uh, a Billie Eilish performance of Bad Guy on Saturday Night Live over in America mm-hmm. where she was in a box and then the box spanned around and she was walking around and she was at different angles so the camera showed you as if she was hanging from the ceiling. That's what I would have wanted from this performance. You asked about whether Tusa was the right choice. If they did something monumental with this performance, because I think Eric could have definitely pulled off something special, I think this could have been the song to send. 
And actually, maybe if that was such a big performance, he would have actually won. But I agree that he is definitely older. He's definitely matured. Rather than just trying to do like this overconfident young guy, Bieber-esque sort of vibe, he's matured really nicely. And I like that contemporary dance that he was doing. As you're saying, it was very contemporary and quite simple, actually. It's very simple. He looks simple. I say he looked like an English crit- cricketer, uh, dressed like an English cricketer with a sort of the white jumper. Oh, he's with that big pullover, <laughs> yeah. didn't he? Yeah. But really, uh, quite fashionable, really nice. If you're going to do it, though, do it. And I feel like there was more to that performance we could have got from it. Yeah, I was a little bit disappointed, but only because what it could have been. And he has been doing it because the song is literally about having sex all the time. Yeah, I'm trying to find meaning in the lyrics, but I think he's just a horny, it is, no, horny he's little just, bugger. Yeah, he's yeah. just horned up and, yeah. yeah, him and whoever he's with are at it like rabbits. Yeah. It is it is the song that I think should have been sent. Yeah. I think it would have done better at Eurovision than Tusa did. Okay. So our fourth song is called Reina Ramading Dog and it's by Eva Rydberg and Eva Rus. Ding dong, ding dong. <laughs> Matt, are you in for this ding dong? Oh, I'm always in for the ding dong. <laughs> Look, I'm so glad that this was included in Melfest this year. And um, of course, we had to include it. Now, there's real character with these two. They're not just a couple of old has-beens who've been brought back to please the older fans. This was... An absolute delight to watch. Music is there to make us feel things. Yeah, performance is there to make us feel things. Sadness, wistfulness, you know, joy, joy, love, and also just pure fun and entertainment. And that's what this is. They are proper, proper actresses too. The way that they like sell this song to us. It's so hard to ignore that performance, even if you're not that into it. It's hard to not watch them. You can see they've had a career on the stage. Yeah. I actually liken them to, like, the two Ronnies. It's very 70s sketch comedy from the BBC. Mm. But that sounds like it's been a bit derogatory, but it's not. It's it's really full of character and people who know exactly who they are and how to deliver a performance. Yeah, the song is... I mean, the song's a song. It is what it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's going to win any Grammy Awards. But bags of personality, so glad that they were included this year. There's two things that Melfest serves up from Tom's time. One is it occasionally throws up great big portions of ridiculousness. And this is one of them. <laughs> but it also throws up um, artists that we as international viewers have no idea who they are, but who the Swedes will have a knowledge of and a connection of and will have some kind of rolling Swedish culture. That kind of song doesn't normally cross over as much as this did. This just seemed to really resonate. Don't know if it, you know, it was just people wanting a bit of silliness, but it was that silliness that was the entire charm about this. 
there's a call to action in the song that, you know, that, I mean, it's like, come and nod along with us. And, you know, we go forward, we go back. There's a little action to do there. Um, and it's just, a, it's a, it's, yeah, stand up, sing along, have a little dance, have a little clap. Um, there's some dancers behind them who are dressed up as older people, you know, with little <laughs> overcoats yeah. on and walking sticks, and, you know, doing their, their little dance behind. I want to hate it, yeah. but I can't. Because at the end of the day, it's two... Well, actually, at the end of it, it's two septuagenarians. 72 and 78, these women are. Absolutely incredible. And they're up on the stage and they're having a lark. And what... Who can be cross about that? I just want to make a point about sort of novelty songs and how how I can't stand the I Love My Bear in Lithuania, but I absolutely adore this. There's something in the way that it's performed and something about its intent and its integrity. I, I feel like there's something in that. Integrity is the word. I think with something like I Love My Bear, it's deliberately trying to be a bit wacky. Yeah. Whereas this, the joy is these two old dames getting up and, you know, having fun. And you can feel that. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, they know they're not going to win, but they're just kind of, you know, giving it a bit of a laugh anyway. And it's a totally different level of integrity. That is exactly the right word. Mm. So the next song is by Clara Klingenström and it's called Behöver Inter D. I don't need you today. This actually knocked out the two Avers in the duel, the Andrew Johnson round, and probably rightly so, actually, if we're being honest. Clara gained some momentum, I think, perhaps because of her very honest and unassuming personality, and that kind of was in the performance as well. She was there with her guitar, very simply, with a with a guitar, simple maroon, red dress, with a light pink hair, just very likable. And whether it's the songwriting or her general vibe, but this gives me ABBA vibes. You know, like that wistfulness or that pensive lyrical content, almost like you're looking back on it or you're looking back on something that you've been through and you're better for it. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's that it the winner takes it all sort of vibe. Really reminds me of ABBA. The song is about surviving a relationship and coming out the other side and being even better. And, you know, girl, I feel you. There is a lot of melancholia in ABBA, but also a lot of joy and a lot of kind of motivation, I think, in ABBA as well. And I think maybe that's the sense. I don't musically get it, but I do. I kind of get that sense when you talk about it like that. Um, There is that sense of, you know, well, everything's gone pear-shaped but you know what I can do without you I don't need you anymore 
or I don't need you today at least. Maybe it is that kind of, you know, day by day, step by step. Yeah, I really like this. Uh, as you say, it really gained momentum. I didn't really see m that much in the heats, but I think by the time it moved through Andrashansa and by the time it got into the final, it really had something behind it. So that's really why it's made it into this shortlist because it just, it built and built. When we started the final, I actually thought the momentum was so big behind this, it might actually knock Tusa off the top spot. It wasn't to be, she only finished in fifth in the end, but not bad for someone that's come through the Andrashansen. I'd love to see her again. I know I say that a lot, but a lot of artists, I really would love to see her again, because I think she's very likeable and probably more, more, more to come from her, I think. Yeah, and I like the fact that it was Swedish as well. Yeah. So we can only have five songs, but of course there were 28 in Melfest, so we will not have covered everything. A little honorary mention to Aravingana with Tenka Inta Alsko Hem, which of course caused a bit of a stir when people heard that lyric as something quite different entirely. Um, Danny Saucedo was a returner with Dandy Dancer, just didn't cut it enough for me, but it was quite an interesting presentation um, of that song. And of course, the Mamas were back with In the Middle. A good song again. I mean, you know, Love they're it. always going to deliver a song well, but it just wasn't as good as last year for me. So whilst I think it's a great shame that the Mamas didn't get their moment as the headline artists on the Eurovision stage, I think it was the right choice that they didn't win mm. and they had to go through the competition and try lots of other songs we know this is one of the most popular or at least the most widely watched uh, national finals so we know that you know there will be lots of other songs that you're already aware of that we haven't covered but hey that's just how it is now it's time for this matt and monty's good thing of the week that is good it's good oh that's good that is yeah, you know what this is by now. It is our good thing of the week to spread a bit of positivity in dark times. Well, not so dark times. Monty, explain. What is it this week? What it's Abba we... again. No. It's Abba. Can we have Abba again? <laughs> no. We had Abba last week and we didn't know what it was going to be. And then it came out and it was even better <laughs> than we'd imagined. Actually, I listened back and I think we got all of the elements. We predicted them all right. I was thinking so, that. Do yeah. you know something I didn't? Well, got the, the gossip was all there, yeah. but we just didn't have it confirmed. But yeah, Abba came back and, you know, just blew us away. How amazing to hear those voices again. Can we have Abba again? No. Can we have Abba again? What else returns? Monty. Uh, Abba. <laughs> Abba's Ab the competition that Abba won, Melody Festival. In. <laughs> Melody Festival in 2021. It was this year, 2022 has been announced <laughs> next year. Just today, as we're recording this, Oscar Zier, the host. I thought Oscar Zier was brilliant as a co-host this year. I know he's been in it before. Never really picked up on him. Um, you know, I know a few of the people that we know are very um, into him because that's his their style of man. He's a twink. Yeah, let's, let's put he's it right. Not, he's not really for us. But I thought he did a really good job of presenting. So I think it makes complete sense that he's back as the main presenter next year. And also going on tour again. With a live audience. With a live audience. And it's going to... The Malmö Arena in Malmö, the Scandinavium in Göteborg, Gothenburg, the Saab Arena in Linköping, the Sparbanken Arena in Lidköping, the Heiglunds Arena in Önsjöldsvik, and finally, 
back to the Friends Arena in Stockholm. So we're going to have a massive show with an audience. And my God, are they going to be up for it? We might even get back to the Swedish church <gasps> in February as well. Yes, definitely. So there you go. Oh. Matt and Monty's good thing of the week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. So, Monty, let's reveal the song that we've selected as the Swedish Cherry this year. Well, I may be 50, pushing 51, but I'm still young, <laughs> just like Charlotte Pirelli. <laughs> <laughs> we had to pick Charlotte Pirelli. It's just got Second Cherry written through it like a stick of rock. It's exactly the kind of song that we love to champion. Yeah, it's dated. Yeah, it's a bit naff, but it's just joyful. I, I don't know. I don't think it is naff because I think in previous years, I can say it now because we're in a different year. In previous years, when I felt like the more less contemporary, less modern Cherry's been selected and not one that I personally would have selected... I've always felt a bit like, ah, you know, it's a bit, we need some more modern songs. But I actually really, really agree with this. This was unanimous. It was the easiest selection because it was done so well. And we are curating a competition and we want this to be a competition. And we think she deserves a second chance again. And we think she's got a good chance as well. So, yeah, I'm really happy with this. This isn't just second cherry team being second cherry. This is the right choice, I think. It's the right choice for the show. And I think it is a reflection that sometimes we pick songs that are going to be right for the show and the competition, which aren't necessarily our own personal favourites or the songs that we think um, are the best. So there we go. Charlotte is in Second Cherry with Still Young. So, Matt, this is, unless we come back for a little bonus episode, this is probably our last show before the live final. Yeah, we've not really spoke much about it on this podcast, have we, apart from announcing it? We haven't, but it will be in the RVT with Eurofest on October the 8th. The tickets may have gone on sale by the time you hear this. Um, We're not quite sure when they're going on sale, but... The best way, as we've said in the past, is to follow us on social media and the announcement will be there. The announcement will be made. But we hope that everybody um, who wants to get tickets will. It's going to be a sellout, so you've got to be quick getting tickets. But we will be there. And of course, the fact that we're now throwing over to the live show means that the voting, the voting is, is open. open. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't rehearse that. That was actually quite That's good. That's pretty good, yeah. You, our listeners, have your chance to have your say. The vote will open after this podcast is published and we will put the link on our social media and in the show notes, etc. So please, please, please vote. And you have until 11pm on Thursday, the 7th of October to get your votes in. Yes, we'll talk more about that later. But if you want to contact us 
or follow us on social media because if you want tickets for this fly final, you've actually you you're going to have to be quick. I'm I'm hosting, and I know I'm going to have to be quick. <laughs> <laughs> but you can contact uh, on Twitter. We're at Second Cherry. Instagram Second Underscore Cherry on Facebook. We're Second Cherry Podcast, and you can also email us. Although we won't give you any updates, you can email us, and that is hello at secondcherry.vision. That's hello <laughs> secondcherry.vision. Not .com, .com's for losers, .vision. So there we are then, Monty. There are songs, and there's our voting now open. Wow, we've made it through another season. I just want to say a massive thank you to everybody who's contacted us, wrote in, tweeted, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, as well as all the people that have said lovely things to us when we've met you in real life, um, out and about. It's so nice to get feedback and the feedback is universally lovely. I mean, you might disagree with the song from time to time, but that's trivial. The The feedback from you, our listeners, has been incredible. You're very, very loyal. You're very, very lovely. And I just want to take a moment to say thank you for sticking with us and thank you for listening. So we will be back for the live show. We'll bring you a wrap-up podcast after the live show. And keep an eye on our social media. And we'll speak to you soon. See you later. Bye. Bye.